Hallelujah. Number two, freedom from judgment. Look at Romans. Romans 10, 15. How shall they preach unless they are sent, as it is written? How beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring glad tidings of good things. It's the gospel of peace. Gospel of peace, not the gospel of judgment. Not the gospel of hate. And what it means is that you will bring glad tidings of good news, of good things, good things to come. Amen. This is not only referring to evangelists who go to new lands and preach the gospel for people to become Christians. The gospel is what we must preach every day. The gospel is what we must believe every day. The gospel doesn't only cover the specific salvation part for people to go to heaven. Gospel covers every part of a Christian life. It's not that the gospel is needed for unbelievers to get them into heaven, but believers need more mature word. Believers need more strong word. Believers need different word. No, it's not. That's where we got deceived. Believers need the gospel. Because the gospel is one message from God. It has many layers to it. Now that you believe in Christ, you have to preach them the message of holiness. Right? And purity. And you make it so harsh again. Hey, you cannot smoke, drink, all this. You have to come to church because you're a Christian, right? So we tell unbelievers, God loves you. Oh, God loves you. Come to heaven. God loves you. God loves you. God loves you. And they come to Jesus. They come to church. And the moment they come to church, hey, stop drinking. Stop smoking. Right? Yes or no? I'm dramatizing for the effect. But isn't that the truth? So people come to the church. Oh God is so good. Christians are so good. But the moment they came to church. The God changed. Now this God put sickness. Because you didn't come to church on Sunday. This God is angry. Because you didn't give your tithe. So they want to go back to the old gods. <laughs> isn't that the truth happening in church? Why? Why should God change after you become a Christian? It's still the same God. See, if you come to India first, you land in Gurgaon Airport. You look at India and say, Wow, first world country. Five star. Four lane highway. Metro. Right? If the first time you come to India is through Gurgaon, Delhi Airport, one of the best airports, you be like, Ah, India is amazing. Get into a car, drive into the heartland of India for one hour, and then you will see Kaodang. You will see poor villages. You will see the beggars. And you'll be like, what happened? It's a change. That's what happens to many unbelievers. God has changed. See, God is love. He never changes. From the beginning to the end, He's God. You, in the beginning, you know God is true love. The deeper you go to God, the deeper you go into love. But a lot of Christians, the deeper they go into Christianity, 
they lose their love for God. They start feeling more guilty, more shame. Why? Because you got the wrong food. It's giving you indigestion. Calling the spiritual health. Amen. Peace is the gospel of peace. Amen. So we must be proclaiming peace every Sunday, every day. Even purity and holiness comes through grace. It's produced by grace. Can any man become pure and holy by yourself? It's impossible. Sin shall not have dominion over us, for we are not under law, but under grace. We are sanctified by the blood of Christ. We are made pure by the blood of the Lamb. We are made righteous by the work of Jesus Christ. In fact, right now, how many of you believe in Jesus? Do you know that you are already holy? You don't have to become holy by your words. You are already holy. We are a holy nation. The word holy means we are set apart. It means you are sanctified. In God's eyes, you are holy. Now, you have to believe you're holy because the Bible says you're holy. So when you believe, I am holy, oh, I'm holy. You get a revelation of how holy you are. And now you don't want to do those unholy things. Right? How many of you, when you were in the school and it was raining and you played football in the field and you got dirty? You went to the ketty and you got dirty. You were cultivating and you got dirty. Yes or no? So when you got dirty, is it difficult to get more dirty? No, you're dirty or anyway, let's get more dirty. You play, 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 right? But then after that was over, you left, you went to the shower, you washed up, and you put on white shirt, white pants, white socks, white shoe, white hat, and you came out and your friends are still playing. And your friends say, hey, come on, come on. Will you go? No, because you know you are clean. When you know you are clean, you don't want to go and hang on. So when you have been told your whole life, you are dirty, you are dirty, you are dirty because you didn't come to church. You are dirty because you looked at the supari with longing in your eyes. You are dirty because you watched that magazine with the woman in the cover. You are dirty, you are dirty, you are dirty. The whole church world has been preaching to us that we are dirty, 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 dirty. So you're like, I'm dirty anyway. Let me go and get more dirty. And so falling into sin is not difficult. Because you think you're dirty. But the gospel says you are clean. Because see, you must understand. Because preachers say this. Oh, greasy grace, hyper grace. Yes, grace has saved us. But you must become holy. They say that. But the moment they add the word but, they have separated grace from holiness. They have made it seem as if God loves you, He saves you by grace. You have to become holy by your own power. That's also a problem in faith preaching. They don't bring this message to the complete wholeness of the Christian experience. You cannot become pure and holy by your own strength, by your faith.
It's grace, the love of God and the power in this message that works by the Holy Spirit within us. When you know how much you are loved, 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 then you will come back home like the prodigal son. He remembered, ah, my father is so good. Even the servants eat so well. I am feeding pigs. He remembered how good his father was and he came home. Amen. It's the grace of God that produces holiness and purity, not selfishness. Hallelujah. Amen. Freedom from judgment. Look at Romans chapter 2 verse 4. The goodness of God leads to repentance. Do you despise the riches of his goodness, forbearance, and long-suffering? Not knowing that the goodness of God. The goodness of God leads you to. But why do you come and say God put sickness and I repented? The Bible says the goodness of God leads to repentance. We have twisted the message. Goodness. Remember Zacchaeus? He was on the tree. He was a tax collector. He was a chief tax collector. He was a mafia boss. Tax collectors in those days are not gentle people with suitcases like today. Necktie, suit, no. They were violent people. They killed people to collect tax. Extra tax. They give the Romans a little bit. They keep for themselves. He was a violent man and hated man. And Jesus says, I'm coming to your house. Did Jesus say, if you repent, I will come? But that's what we preach. If you repent, Jesus came. He invited himself. Sat down with Zacchaeus, ate with him, loved on him, gave him grace. What happened? Oh, I'm going to give away half my goods to the poor. Whatever I have stolen, I will return with double fold. How did his heart change? In one night, his heart changed. The goodness of God leads to repentance. Jesus first gave him goodness, grace, love. And his heart transformed. If I was there, I would say, Zacchaeus, God is saying that he will take your baby. Because you have stolen money from everyone. Isn't that what some prophets in Nagaland would have done? Come on, honestly, yes or no? Yes. The goodness of God leads to repentance. That's why the cross, when I see on the cross the goodness of God, it makes me, ah, I'll give my life to you. Hallelujah. Amen. John chapter 3, 16 to 18. Why this is important? Because many people use the supernatural to judge. They use prophecy to judge. They, do, they say, oh, God has called me to be prophet. God has called me to be anointed. Hey, don't speak bad against me. Bad things will happen to you. 
Right? So, we are so afraid. People come prophesy in the house and if we will question the prophecy, they put fear. It's your prophecy though. No, no, like, I don't be a hope today. So we don't even have the freedom to judge the prophecy. The people who go around telling people, God is telling you to give me five lakhs. In other lakhs. Obviously the people are, if God is saying, and I don't do it, punishment may come. So out of fear they're giving. Have you heard stories like that? Yes. See, Nagaland, don't copy Nagaland example, no? Just copy the gospel. Hallelujah. Look at John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world. For that, the Nagas are enough. Nagas are good people. God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He who believes in him is not condemned. The word condemned means to be judged. Condemned. The word condemned means to be judged. It means that the wrath of God is upon him. Something evil will come into his life, his family line. That's what the word condemned is. If you believe, you are not condemned. How many of you believe in Jesus? Can I see you? It means you are not condemned. You know why you are not condemned? Because, let's go to John chapter 12. Jesus took your judgment on himself. John chapter 12. Now, this is a time before the cross. Jesus is predicting his death on the cross. This is very important. Verse 27, Jesus says, My soul is troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour, but for this purpose I came. So he's talking about the cross, his death. A voice came from heaven saying, I have both glorified it and will glorify it again. That means the glory of the Father will be seen on the cross. Now look at verse 30. Jesus answered and said, This voice did not come because of me, but for your sake. Now, now, underline that word now. When Jesus says, Now is the judgment of this world, he's talking about the cross, the time, the Kairos moment. Kairos moment means the specific time. Like December is the Kairos moment for pigs to die in Nagaland. For nine months they've been enjoying. Sitting and eating, sitting and eating. But now the time has changed. <laughs> now people will sit and enjoy them. If you ever want to be reborn, never be reborn as a pig in Nagaland. <laughs> so the Kairos moment, Jesus is talking about the Kairos moment. Now is the judgment of this world. Now the ruler of this world will be cast out. And I, if I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all to me. Now, unfortunately, in many Bibles, 
they have added the word peoples, right? Right? But the word peoples is italicized. Italicized in the Bible means it was added by the translators. It's not there in the original Greek manuscript. It was added. That the own theology did. In some cases, it's not wrong. The italicized makes us understand better. But in this case, it's wrong. Because it doesn't fit with the context of what Jesus is saying. Jesus is still talking about going to the cross. And in the verse before that, he says, Now is the judgment of this world. He's talking about judgment. Now the ruler of this world will be cast out. So it's not talking about peoples. It's talking about judgment. So what this literally means, and if you study the whole context of the gospel, many different verses, this is the truth. Alright? So, what is happening is this. Jesus is on the cross, right? And he's going to be hanging there for the sins of all mankind. So Jesus is talking about the cross. Now is the judgment of this world. So he's saying the cross is going to be a time of judgment. Okay? Judgment of the world, world. That means the whole world is going to be judged for their sins. Now the ruler of this world, even Satan is going to be judged on the cross. Because before the cross, Satan was the god of this world, small g. Ruler of the earth. Remember Satan came and tempted Jesus and says, All these kingdoms have been given to me. And I will give it to you if you will bow down and worship me. Right? That was not a made up temptation. It was a true temptation because Satan was the God of this world. How did he become God? Because Adam who was the original small g, ruler of the earth, disobeyed God, obeyed Satan and the authority went to Satan. So Jesus came to take that. Through his death, not only did he judge sin, he judged the power of Satan to dominate over mankind. How? Through sin, Satan. So what Jesus is saying is this. Now is the judgment of this world. Now the ruler of this world will be cast out. And he says in verse 32, If I am lifted up from the earth, I will draw all, all what? Judgment. I will draw all judgment to myself. Have you seen on the top of buildings? There's what we call a lightning rod. Huh? Why do people put lightning rod? Huh? So that when the lightning comes, Electricity comes, that lightning rock, it takes the power of the lightning and it transfers it to the cable into the ground. We call it earthing, right? Earthing. So the lightning rock takes the electricity and the people in the house are protected because the lightning rock absorbs all the power, transfers it to the ground. So Jesus is the lightning rod of God. All of God's anger and wrath against sin. Jesus. Why? Because all your sins came on him. And 
The amazing thing about Jesus is that he is greater than sin. That's why sin and the judgment could not consume him. He consumed it. In the Old Testament, when the fire of God would come on the animals, what happened? Animal is gone. The fire is there. So the fire was greater than the sacrifice. Because it was animals. It was just a time, an example, a symbol. But in the New Testament, the Lamb of God is greater than the judgment of God. So when the fire of God came on Jesus on the cross, Jesus took it. He died, but he rose again. Sin could not hold. And now look at Romans chapter 4. It's not there in your notes. Go there, Romans chapter 4. This is one of the most important verses to understand this. Romans 4.25 Are you there? Okay, this is talking about Jesus. Who was delivered up on the cross because of our offenses or our sins? And was raised up, meaning, meaning resurrection, and was raised up because of our justification. Oh, there's a world of difference between these statements in just one sentence. Whole theology is there. He was delivered up on the cross for our sins. 1 Peter 2.24 He himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree. When he bore our sins, he also bore our curses. He bore our shame. Amen. Hallelujah. See, why did Jesus struggle in the garden of Gethsemane? That he was sweating drops of blood. Because he knew the agony he would go through on the cross. How? The sin of all humanity, he would bear it. Have you read stories about how you know, people kill, rape, murder? Have you heard the stories? Recently, even in Delhi, this psycho murdered his girlfriend, chopped his body parts, right? When you read those stories, do you, do you feel clean or unclean? Huh? It's unclean. Because sin is ugly. It may be attractive, but it's really ugly. In the realm of the spirit, sin is heavy. It is dark. It, is, it has a terrible smell. Ever been to railway stations? Especially at 5 o'clock in the morning? Huh? And you have to just hold your breath till the train leaves the station. Right? So sin, sin is not, in the spirit, sin is ugly. It is dark. There's no life in sin. It is the complete opposite of God. God is full of light and colors and beauty and freedom. Sin is the complete opposite because it came from the enemy. So Jesus is burden in his heart because he's going to drink the cup of God's wrath. God's judgment and punishment for sin. So Jesus went to the cross and he drank the cup and the fire of God came upon him. That's why here on the cross he says, I thirst. 
What is that? That's called judgment. Judgment. And that's what Romans 8.1, you can write it down, it says, Therefore, there is now no condemnation to those who believe in Christ. There is therefore now no condemnation. The word there is so strong. The word no is the strongest negative in the Greek. It means absolutely impossible. If you are a believer in Christ, it is impossible for you to be condemned. Why? Because Jesus took your condemnation. And Jesus took your sins. And God the Father judged this entire case. And God is a righteous judge. There is no sin that can escape God's judgment. No sin. Right? Because he's judge of the universe. He must be righteous. Yes or no? He must be righteous. So no sin can escape. See, Jesus is not like our fathers and mothers who hide our sins. Right? We're having a case right now where there's a specific mother who's trying to hide the sins of the son. Oh, there's nothing wrong. But we're like, no, your son is like this. Your son is great. No, no, my son, my son. We're just trying to cover up the sins of our children. Nagling, we see that a lot, right? You know why? Oh, because we love our children, right? Wrong. That's not true love. It's a love that is destroying the children. It's just your twisted, perverted emotions of what you think is love. It's not love. For God so loved the world that He will not let a single sin go unpunished. <laughs> because He's also justice and righteousness. So the way He forgave us was not the way that Naga parents or other parents forgive us. It's only a teenager. Let me go, it's okay. That's not the way God forgave us. God forgave us by punishing His Son. That means every single sin you did, somebody paid the price. That is the only way that God's justice and His mercy can sit on the same throne. Mercy and grace sit together. Righteousness and justice sit together on the throne of God. Right? So, God had to judge every sin. And He came upon His Son, Jesus. Sins of the past, sins of the present, sins of the future. All sin of mankind came on Jesus. Jesus was condemned. Jesus was judged. The wrath of God was appeased. That's what the word propitiation means. That Father was pleased with the sacrifice. Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Who takes away. Takes away. So that the Father doesn't see. Did you get it? So this is called the righteousness of God. The righteousness of God is not, hey, men will be men, it's okay. We have another case where the father is saying, hey, to the daughter-in-law, hey, you must understand, boys, not sometimes they will go with other women. You should not be so angry. Just serve him. And this guy is a deacon in his church. Understand? That man will sometimes go and be with other women, just be patient, telling the daughter-in-law. That's not truth. God cannot be that. 
It's not a twisted grace where he just understands the way we are. It's okay, it's okay. He just forgets. He just covers up. No. He judged every single sin. Otherwise, the universe will collapse. Because the foundation of God's throne is righteousness. So he has to judge every single sin. So if he judges every single sin, the only problem is he will be very lonely in heaven. No one will believe. Right? All men have sinned. So the only solution is that the father sent his son who dies for the sins of humanity. That means in Jesus, every single sin is punished. It is judged and the justice of God is appeased. It is satisfied. But because Jesus committed no sin, there was no sin in him. Sin could not keep him in hell. The devil could not keep him in the grave. And Jesus rose. Do you get Romans 5 now? Romans 4. He was delivered up for our offenses. He was raised up for our justification. It means this. Only after every single sin was paid for, he rose. For our justification. It means if Jesus rose, if Jesus rose from the dead, if Jesus rose from the dead, my debt is paid. My debt is paid. It means this. My sins have been judged. I'm not going to be judged again. It would be injustice for God to judge me for the sins that Jesus was judged for. Did you get it? It is injustice. Have you seen the movie called Double Jeopardy? It's an old movie. It's in the 80s, 90s. You can watch it. Go and watch it. There is this story of a man and a woman, husband and a wife. And the husband cheated the wife, got her drunk, and made it seem like the wife murdered him. Put all this evidence of blood and the husband disappeared. So the woman was caught by the police and with all the evidence, she was judged for the murder of the husband. So she went to prison for about 20 years. For the murder of the husband. But the husband is still alive. It was all fabricated. So she came out of prison, started looking for the husband and found the husband. And with a gun, she was pointing at the husband. And she said to the husband, you know I can shoot you right now. And no judge in America will condemn me because I've already paid the price for killing you. So, if Jesus has paid the price for your sins, Hallelujah! God will not judge you and condemn you for those same sins again. Oh, so nice. Let's go drink. Let's go party. Right? That's what some people think out of the twisted heart and mind again. Right? So does that mean we go and sin? Because Jesus already paid for it. That's foolishness. You know why? Because even though God will not judge you and condemn you, even your actions have consequences. Your actions 
If you say, oh, God loves me, God loves me, so it doesn't matter how I dress, it doesn't matter how I talk, it doesn't matter how I act, God loves me, God loves me, God loves me. So Christians lie and are cheating, lying, fornicating, doing all these wrong things, God loves me, God loves me. Yeah, God loves you. It's true. But you are destroying your own life in the first place. So you're going to bring consequences on your body, on your testimony. Not only that, even though God does not condemn, people will condemn you. Society will condemn you and they'll say, oh, we don't want this system. We don't want this system. Oh, we don't want this preacher. We don't want this preacher. They'll condemn you. And when they condemn you, it hurts. It affects not your spirit. Your spirit will go to heaven. Your soul. Your mind. And it begins to affect your conscience. It begins to affect your will. So we have to be wise. Before men and also before God. So don't go out there take a tattoo saying, God loves me anyway. Nowadays, we can take tattoos. Right? Gen Z have this problem. Tattoo, miniskirts, Instagram. Do whatever they like. God loves me anyway. Yeah, you're foolish. God loves you, but you're doing everything that is not right, even in the eyes of the world, in the eyes of sane people. Now, don't live by the judgment of people, but also understand people will still condemn you. And then when you break laws, the government will condemn you to jail. And you can stay in jail and say, God loves me, God loves me. Yes, God loves you, but stay in jail because you broke the laws of men. So the grace of God is supposed to lead to wisdom, holy living, right living, not senseless, crazy living. If God loves us so much, it should make us wise in the way we talk and behave. Now we want to show the world how much God loves us, right? Hallelujah. If you have been blessed through this podcast, we invite you to partner with us in sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ from Nagaland to the nations. We make all our series available for free, but it does cost us time, effort, and money to do. So the support of people such as you will enable us reach more people in more regions. Remember, when you give, the Word of God says in 2 Corinthians 9.8 that God is able to make all grace abound towards you, that you, always having all sufficiency, all things, may have an abundance of every good work. If you would like to support our media ministry on a monthly basis or through a one-time gift, kindly write to us at faithharvestnagaland at gmail.com and visit our website www.faithharvest.in and you can go to the giving section. You can also give through this UPI ID 700-568-4533 at Paytm. God bless you and thank you so much for your generosity.